Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground. Alternative activists empowerment talk radio. Speaking truth to power and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro. That's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? I am a revolutionary. It's about what we didn't do. Amen. Then it speaks to us and the possibility for us as a future person. Because ultimately, our people's future resides on what we do outside of the White House. African descent fairly, America failed. She put them in chains. The government put them on slave quarters, put them on action block, auction blocks, put them in cotton fields, put them in inferior schools, put them in substandard housing, put them in scientific experience, experiments, put them in the lowest paying jobs, put them outside the equal protection of the law, kept them out of their racist bastions of higher education, and locked them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America? No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God... Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our Common Ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk, that matters. 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 Transforming Transforming truth truth to power, power, power. one broadcast broadcast at a time. And now to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. And good evening and thank you so much for joining us here in this sanctuary of black truth, Our Common Ground, once again. I'm Janice Graham, and while I am the moderator, this is Our Common Ground, where black truth reigns and we speak truth to power as well as ourselves. Thank you so much as we come um, on the air tonight. Uh, The whole world continues to be on fire. We have concerns in the motherland, on the Gaza, and we are concerned about who the people are in Israel. Yes, we are. But there is resistance in America on the issues that we have, talk, have talked about for the last four weeks here at Our Common Ground, and that is whether or not black bodies matter. In Ferguson, Missouri tonight, the citizens there are facing a curfew that begins at midnight. They are suffering not only from the 
vestiges of white supremacy, the grief and harm of killing one of their children, the fact that they were occupied by a military state for three days this week, the fact that the media still has not found its way to tell our story, tell the story from our perspective, and a government that is entitled that it is so incompetent that it will never catch up. That is who we are in Ferguson, Missouri. The good news, there are resistors. The good news, our people have risen out of the ashes of one young man. His name is Mike Brown. Last week, as we came on the air and announced his murder, we were here at our common ground, not expecting much more than we have gotten. So before we begin tonight, and I do thank you, and our call-in number is 347-838-9852, I'd being with us. I am in solidarity with the resistors and with you tonight, and I don't think that I have experienced as much despair about how white supremacy continues to mangle our existence and to harm us in a way because we are a disparate possessed people in this country. So before we begin tonight, you know the story, you have heard it. Uh, We have a police officer who has been named, but he has disappeared. He has not been charged. We know what he looks like, but he has not been detained. He has not been charged. He is being coddled in all of this, while Mike Brown, the victim, gunned down by someone who had the responsibility to and serve, is being vilified in the same old way that it has always happened. We're going to talk about all of those issues tonight, but before we do, I have a dear, dear brother a soldier, warrior, on the ground in Ferguson, Missouri, who's going to give us an update and talk about some of the relevant issues that he is hearing, Dr. Osayefo Seku, Dr. S. Thank you so much, my dear hey, brother, for joining us. I'm not us. sure how long I can be on with you. We're I walking understand. into it now. Uh, there's a huge, massive protest. Thousands are, looks like it's Can you talk a little bit louder? You're, we're the losing you. Deployed in buses, uh, uh, bringing officers in. And so uh, I'm just not sure how long I'll be able to talk to you. Clergy are assembling at 9 
now to serve to uh to protect people uh but we are uh we are in the midst of a war um I was in Palestine in two thousand twelve, and the last time I felt this way was the last time I was in Palestine. Well, tell us what do the people how do the how do you think that this audience can best serve supporting the people of Ferguson? Uh, 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 I mean, uh, I, I didn't hear the last question. What's the best way we can do to support our brothers and sisters in, in Ferguson? Tweet, tell the news, tell the story, let folks know, uh, do everything that you can to uh, uh, get the word out. Um, um, so, yeah, tell people, talk, tweet. Do everything okay. that you can uh, to just tell the uh, just tell the people. The, the people have been primarily nonviolent, and it has been the uh, police who have been violent and facilitated violence by their presence, the over uh, the over uh, uh, presence of police. I'm actually literally okay. in the middle of the march now. Okay, let me ask you one question. Are, uh, are those are, are, are we facing rogue policemen right now? I, I'm getting out of the crowd. Go ahead. Oh. Are we facing the issue of rogue cops? Because I heard a report. I mean, it's, it's not. It's a system. It's not just a one policeman, but it is a system of uh, of uh, repression that is a work on black bodies. Hello. So where 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 are we right now? You're 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 doing a march I'm in tonight. Ferguson. Yeah, yeah, we're marching now, and then there's been a, a march call to protest the uh, the protest the curfew. Yeah, so they're going to people are going to take the line in the curfew tonight. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Well, I know I don't. I want you to be safe, and you need to look at what you're doing. But we look forward to talking yeah. to you next week, and you can give us a picture. And thank you I, I can't so hear you. very much. Thank for you, thank in. you, thank you, dear sister. I uh, love you. So be safe. That was uh, Reverend oh, Doctor Osagi Afo Seku. He is from Boston, um, and he has been a, a a a just a vigilant warrior in the war for human rights. In, uh, on this globe. Um, I think we have our other boots on the ground uh, reporters. Uh, Ruby or uh, Sales or Susan Smith, are you with us? Okay, we don't. We expect that Ruby Sales, who is the founder and executive director of the Spirit House, and Susan Smith, Kate, Dr. Susan K. Smith, they are in Ferguson, and we are expecting later on in this broadcast. For those of you who have, who have just joined us, we have just gotten a boots-on-the-ground kind of report uh, about, and, and you could hear the kind of tension that's going on in that march. And I'm hoping that Reverend Sekou, I mean, this man is a warrior in the spirit of Shaka Zulu. 
Thank you all for being with us here tonight at Our Common Ground. Tonight we are going to be talking to the theme of uh, homeland terrorism under law. State and local police departments obtained some of their military-style equipment that you saw being used in Ferguson through a free Defense Department program created in the early 1990s. Uh, a portion of their gear that comes from the program is relative, relatively small. Um, and there is a lot of detail that we can get from the Pentagon which illustrates how Uptus such equipment has become. Actually, I read a, 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 um, a story this week about uh, how the town of Ferguson, Missouri, had been flooded with, um, with this kind of equipment, and you saw it in the heavily armed SWAT officers in the wake of the August 9th killing of Mike Goldbrown by a police officer. And according to some reports, Upwards of 70 officers decked out, not just in riot gear, but in equipment suited for foreign battlefields. And they took the streets Wednesday night in an attempt to disperse a largely peaceful demonstration organized to protect, to protest uh, Michael Brown's death. If the nation needed a poster child for the militarization of its police forces, it got one this week. And that's what we'll be talking about here at our common ground tonight. Thank you for being with us. But I think ultimately when we look at this whole question of internal agenda, at the core of that will have to be what it will require for us to be healed and to be whole. And the first thing that I think is required is for us not to forget the travail of the ancestors. Economics that allow the European uh, imperialism, colonialism, capitalism to emerge. And, that it and we just got another call stating that uh as the officer involved shooting at Canfield and Capra Creek. Uh, I don't know who called it in. It was called in the my desk. Okay, twenty-one ninety. Be advised, uh, this information came from the news, so don't know. Yeah, any further? We're going to shoot, and in the same moment, the first shot went off, and we looked at him. He he was shot, and it was blood coming from him, and we took off running. And as we took off running, I ducked and hid for my life because I was feared for my life, and I hid by the first car that I saw. My friend, he kept running, and he told me to keep running because he feared for me too. So as he was running, the officer uh, was trying to get out of the car, and once he got out the car, he, uh, he pursued my friend, but his, his weapon was drawn. Now, he didn't see any weapon drawn at him or anything like that, us going for no weapon. His weapon was already drawn when he got out the car. He shot again, and once my friend felt that shot, he turned around and he put his hands in the earth, and he started to get down. But the officer still approached with his weapon drawn, and he fired several more shots, and my friend died. The presence of 20 million so-called Negroes 
who today are crying for citizenship, crying for civil rights, crying for recognition, crying for human rights, and crying for human dignity. And this cry of these 20 million black people who are here in America has been heard throughout the world and is causing great embarrassment to come upon America today because she is uh, uh, depicting herself or presenting herself as the land of the free. But I think ultimately when we look at this whole question of internal agenda, at the core of that will have to be what it will require for us to be healed and to be whole. And the first thing that I think is required is for us not to forget the travail of the ancestors. Economics that allowed a European uh, imperialism, colonialism, capitalism to emerge, and then it created a new nation-state system to manage uh, the the economics of enslavement. And then you had to have a culture of the mind, uh, a culture of white supremacy that gave this system cement. Now put the Tea Party in that context. The British had fought the French for control of the slave system in the 1600s, in the 1700s, and the Dutch were part of that mix, and the Brandenburg Germans. And out of that emerges the American Revolution, but why? Because of the profits from the slave system. The Tea Act is a part of the act that the British put in place to, to close up the gaps in their international slave trade system. With, with lacerating, we can't take it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you the truth. We can't take it. And so it's something that we have to learn in terms of how to talk to each other, how to be loving and to be patient with people. You know, um, folks got issues. Anybody here uh, undefeated? Okay, then ain't nobody here made it nowhere. I know I can't say I'm undefeated. So, I, you know, I, don't, I think we're pretty hard on each other. And we got we to gotta learn to give some room because we're, we're really fragile people, okay? So you, you need to take care of you, and at the same time, you have to be forgiving and you have to be understand that our ancestors and everyone, I want you to imagine not, not even Harriet. I want you to imagine the slave at year 150. Is that black people were never really so concerned about what white people thought as much as they were about how white people structured the world. So when you create institutions of slavery, when you create institutions of uh, marginalization, dehumanization, genocide, etc., that's what black people do. And this whole struggle for black people and for people of color, if you weren't the subject of genocide like the Native Americans, has been the denial of access to capital and credit, due process of law, and equal treatment of the, under the law. That's what our movement should be about. It shouldn't be about organizations. And I said, I've managed yet to... Identify with the oppressor. We have to understand. All oppressed people like to identify with the oppressor. Now, it sounds like a contradiction, and it is, but you have to understand the nature of oppression makes one want to escape it by what? Any means necessary. And if joining the forces of the oppressed, of the oppressor, helps you escape your oppression, you will do that. Tell me why every time I step outside, I see my niggas die. Oh, I, I'm letting you know that it ain't no gun they make that can kill my soul. All we want to do is take the chains off. All we want to do is take the chains off.
Some accentuate this by even dropping to their knees while shouting. And this is how the police have been responding, like soldiers in a war zone. This is the town of 21,000, and we're seeing local police decked out in full battle gear, pointing multiple automatic weapons at unarmed protesters who already have their hands up, and they're riding in with MRAPs. These are fully armored, mine-resistant vehicles with gunner hatches and glass capable of withstanding 50 caliber ammunition. If you're okay with this, if this seems proportionate or normal to you, then we can assume that you're comfortable living under a police state. In which case, you're welcome to click away to some mind-numbing video about Minecraft or celebrity gossip. For the rest of you, those who find these images sobering, this problem goes way beyond Ferguson, Missouri. The militarization of the police that we see here is part of a pattern that's been developing for several years now in the United States. We saw this during the manhunt in the Boston bombing case, and there have been countless examples that never made national headlines. This didn't happen on accident. The militarization of the police has been orchestrated nationwide across countless jurisdictions, because those who control the U.S. government want this. It's institutionalized at this point, and it's only going to get worse unless you, the American people, find a way to pull yourselves together and unify against this steadily advancing police state. This is just reality. You can either allow that reality to paralyze you, you can put your head in the sand, or you can convert that discomfort into a driving force. Your choice. You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now, Janice Graham. That was J. Cole with All We Want to Free. All we want to do is take the chains off. Thank you for being with us. Tonight, we have seen a lot of discussion about what's going on in Ferguson. But what's going on in Ferguson, Missouri, is going on far wider than just Ferguson, Missouri. We're seeing our government, without apology, instituting a police state to challenge our resistance to injustice. For those of you who want to talk about Mike Brown and his death, and uh, here was a young brother who was shot down with his hands up and laid on the pavement of a Ferguson, Missouri street for four hours. He was a young man whose life taken from him and now there is an effort and I am saying tonight that it is in the core of the police department, not the mayor, not the governor, which is why I asked uh, Reverend Sekou whether he thought that rogue police had taken over last night when tear gas appeared again 
and the person who is the commander of the law enforcement operation in Ferguson, Missouri, indicated he never gave an order. He is black, and the majority of the police in Ferguson, Missouri, are white and the state police. You know, I've been thinking a lot about what all this means. I'll give you a good example. There, the video that was produced by the police department, which the police superintendent indicated, the Ferguson Police Department superintendent, indicated that it had been requested by the press. My question is one. How did the press know it was existed? And who filed the FOIA to force them to bring this video, which shows Mike Brown, the victim here? Or there's some question about it, because I've been saying for the last, since the video appeared that the man in the video seems to be wearing athletic flip-flops or slide shower shoes, and Mike Brown is lying on the ground five minutes, ten minutes later, and he has on sneakers. Even though his friend and a witness, Mr. Johnson, is confessing deed shoplift cigarillos from this merchant? That's one of the questions. The other of the question is, despite the whole nation, including the Department of Justice, advising this incompetent, racist, belligerent police department, things are still going badly. And today, with a curfew, that's not even talking about Wednesday night as tear gas was being shot into people's backyards where they were standing. That's not even to say about the young journalist, her last name is White, who was hit by a rubber pellet so large that it caused extreme skull fracture and brain damage. We've got to get real about what this is. This is about the same kind of put-down, military put-down, that is happening in the Ukraine, that is happening in, on the Gaza, that is happening in other places in this country where the United States of, the, of America condemns. Our lines are open tonight for you, 347 838 9852 and we are we have got to be get really real about black americans being gunned down in america's street the black freedom movement that swept the country over the past century never passed through ferguson missouri and neighboring predominantly black st louis county municipalities no black 
power movement, no watch riots or movements to uh, empower anything. Some of the community leaders, as I, as I have listened to some of the uh, news coverage um, there, say that in order to address the issues of police brutality as well as rampant discrimination in employment and housing, the St. Louis community is going to have to partner with national counterparts in regions with more deeply entrenched uh, human and civil rights movement. Um, we haven't, we have found in listening to the citizens of Ferguson, Missouri, that many of those people have not found their voice politically, economically, and the anger over Mike Brown, <coughs> excuse me, embraces that. So um, we need to be doing something now. Uh, calling from Ferguson, Missouri Live at the beginning of the broadcast, Reverend Sekou indicated that the thing that we need to be doing is tweeting and posting and emailing this information to our friends. We've got to have people who are who understand this. But there is just a bigger, greater problem that that is going on here. And one of the things that we've got to put on our agenda is the demilitarization of police departments all over this country. For four nights in a row, these these heavily costumed war people streamed into uh, into this small community, wearing camouflage, black helmets and vests with police stamped on the back. They had objects that doubled as warnings, assault rifles, and ammunition, slender black nightsticks, and gas masks. They were not just one police force, but many coming from a lot of communities throughout North St. Louis County. And here were their adversaries, a ragtag group of mostly unarmed neighborhood residents, hundreds of African Americans whose pent-up fury at the police had sent them pouring into streets and sidewalks in Ferguson. When the protesters refused to retreat from the streets, these war zone animals threw firebombs that are used in war. I mean, to the rest of the world, the images of explosions and billowing uh, tear gas and armored vehicles made this small city look as if it belonged in a chaos-stricken corner of Eastern Europe and not the heart of American Midwest. If you do not understand how our police, and we've been talking about this on this program for well over a year, how our police have become militarized, that's one of the issues. The other is that our, our police departments, as I said last week, uh, 
Our police departments are filled with officers who were trained in the military and also came back from combat some three and four stints with severe mental problems. Severe. So here we are. If you look at other issues that, I mean, if you, if you look at, you know, a former Marine wrote in uh, Business Insider that some of this equipment he's seen law enforcement officials equipped with in, in, in Ferguson, sharp-barreled 5.56-millimeter rifles with high-powered scopes. We all saw that. Six extra magazines. And here are people who are supposed to be supervising this operation who don't have a clue. I also want to talk about how this department is protecting the, the police officer who killed Mike Brown. They are protecting him. They gave him three days in which to disappear and to make himself safe. What about the safety of the witnesses that they have not interviewed? Why would a witness in a small town like this have to have an attorney? Is the FBI, is, will DOJ, Department of Justice, actually do interviews to find out who this officer really was because the, the personnel record is not going to tell you the true story. We're going to go to our, our phone, uh, 202, you're on the air. Thank you for your call. Hello. Hello. Is this uh, Sister Ruby Sales? Yes, it is indeed. Thank you, uh, Sister Ruby. You're calling from Ferguson, Missouri. We're That's just right. talking about, we just talked to uh, Reverend Seku earlier in the broadcast. Give us an idea about what, what, what you are seeing and how you are feeling and what the people, the resistors there are feeling, especially in the light of this new curfew. Well, indeed, you've laid your fingers on the issue this is an armed camp. Last night, even after the governor said he was pulling out this militarized police department, people who demonstrated last night were met with machine guns and tanks. And I think that this is not just here in Ferguson, but around the nation. But before I get to that very important point, I want to say that yesterday there's been a great deal of manipulation. People here are very angry at the criminalization of Michael Brown. They're asking very important questions, like if this were the case and you had this evidence, why didn't you present it earlier? Did you tell the Justice Department about this? And people believe that it's a fabricated lie. People in the streets are saying that the pictures were photoshopped. 
Young people are in the street for the first time in large numbers. Unfortunately, there's no destination because there has not been any clear organizing strategy on how to tap into this energy so that it continues when the camera is no longer pointed at Ferguson. Older black people are also very upset, but we're not just angry, determined, that some light bulbs have gone out in people's heads that were not there, and people are determined. There's a curfew that terrifies me because I know that some young people will push that curfew, and given the militarized situation here, that they will be killed. Last night, people served as a body line, a, a, a line of guard between the people and the police because they were out there ready to kill, one false move. If people had gone across the line, the mandate in charge was to kill. So we're at a critical period, uh, BJ, and I, you know, I'd like to talk with your audience about it for a little bit about the implications of the militarized police and how that came into being. Well, we, we've, we've talked uh, a, a bit uh, about that um, before. I, I don't know if you were on the line. I don't think yes, you were on I the line it. at the time. Uh, uh, and, 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 and part of it comes from, most of it comes from, well, you and I know, Ruby, that it really comes from that the federal government has contracts with manufacturers of military weapons and equipment. Well, it's and they a little have bit to deeper con- than that. This is what well, I they discovered. Have to continue, they have to continue to make sure that the war profiteers are happy. Yes, but this is what I discovered that I need to sound the alarm on. In 1990, the Pentagon as the war on drugs came into being, began according to an act to give away surplus military supplies to state mm-hmm, government, mm-hmm. to local governments. Uh-huh, and this from happened the at the department. same time, yes, this happened at the same time that Newt Gingrich had his contract with America when he made the announcement that by the year 2000, most of the workers in this country would be people of color. So they fabricated, at the same time they fabricated this war on drugs, they were heavily arming policemen. And so people were getting Humvees, uh, people were getting uh, machine guns, people were getting massive weapons of destruction. So it's not just, so the government has been in lockstep with this buildup. There's a a Johnson bill pending in Congress right now to overturn this. Arizona got these weapons. Uh, Roanoke, Virginia got them. North Carolina got these Humvees and and tanks. And so we're sitting on a crisis that we didn't begin to understand the depth of that crisis and how the government is supporting the buildup of a police state. And we know that the weapons are not designed to keep Ku Klux Klan and people in order, but those weapons are designed for African Americans, and they have cleverly profiled and criminalized us so that when these weapons, like in, in Ferguson, 
you can use these kind of weapons on black people under the guise of criminality. And so mm-hmm. we are really up a creek and not understanding the full implications of what we're dealing with. This is not an isolated incident. This is what I discovered in my research and when I realized that I almost fell off of my seat, that mm-hmm. since 1990, I, this has been happening. Mm-hmm. And in 2011, the Center for Investigative Reporting started looking at this issue um, and 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 it found that Fargo a good uh, an example is Fargo North Dakota thousands of communities in every state have been on a gear buying spree with the aid of more than 34 billion dollars in yes. federal grants and they continued the guise of this police state uh, equipment and 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 charge strategy, uh, yes. police state equipment under the guise of nine one one. That was the new thing. So it moved and also from, I can't say it strongly enough: the war on drugs. And so they've been having us focusing our attention on black on black crime that they say is just a pandemic in terms of the the drug uh the drugs mm-hmm. that are being circulated the game wars well what i realize is that while we've been focusing our gaze on this the real violence is being built up and 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 is being executed by police who operate on one mantra shoot to kill mhm and mm-hmm. We have internalized it to believe that we're the violent ones. I'm not saying that people don't kill each other over drugs, but what I'm saying is that we focus so much on that that, we, that we've been caught unawares that we live in a police state and the criminalization of African-American people, including African-American women who have been shot like Melissa Williams and her boyfriend in Cleveland. The police fired 137 rounds of bullets into that car. Fifty-nine police cars chased them. And this is, and so being in Ferguson and actually seeing it was Mm -hmm. quite terrifying Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. we are in a war and we don't have a clue. Mm-hmm. In terms of the weapons that are being used, mm-hmm. and one and of the questions, scary. one of the questions I'm asking tonight of this audience is to begin to look at this in your own community. I know that that in the city of Boston there has been a working group talking about the equipment that was so readily available to the Massachusetts State um, um, Police and the Boston police at the time of the marathon bombing where they just moved into two whole communities and across the city with these tanks. And I think people need to know, need to be asking the question at the local level. For instance, if you live in Montgomery County, Texas, the Sheriff's Department owns a $300,000 pilot-less surveillance drone. If you live in East Baton Rouge, there are 
four every officer has a four hundred dollar ballistic helmet. And in Augusta, Maine, with fewer than twenty thousand people, they bought eight fifteen hundred dollar tactical vests. This is what we are dealing with. Every officer in New York, Los Angeles, Boston carries an assault weapon in their vehicle. That's shocking awe to me, Ruby. The, and M16s, I mean, this is really, we've got to get serious about this business, and we've got to take our heads from under the sand. These people came prepared to blow folks away without a a- wink of an eye. They absolutely. came prepared to kill. You don't absolutely. come into a community with those kind of massive weapons of destruction, that's what they are, and not coming to kill. And that's what right. we've got to understand is every black community, every police municipality who've asked for these free billion dollars worth of ammunition that the Pentagon even while it sends black people over to fight in wars for democracy, is giving these guns, these weapons, tactical weapons they call them, to these communities. And we know mm-hmm. under the guise of the war on drugs. That's right. So the we department, have come to a much... Yes, go on, I'm the sorry. The Department of Obviously Homeland I'm Security, upset. right where in the city where you're sitting right now, now, the Department of Homeland Security gave a grant in the amount of $360,000 for the city of Ferguson to purchase a Bearcat armored truck, which patrols the city of Ferguson. Mm. And what I really want to say is that we have to make the connection between the rise of white ring power, wing power in this country uh, the the Ronald Reagan gov- uh, presidency, and even Bill Clinton involved himself in the war on drugs and pushing it further. But the war on drugs was a code word for the war on African-American communities. That does not mean that Latino communities did not fall into that net, but explicitly uh, it was designed for the African-American people and for those Latinos who have African blood, like in New York, like Puerto Ricans. And so we are up against it, and we don't have a clue. I can't say that strongly enough. These people mm-hmm. have prepared themselves to annihilate us. This is not mm-hmm. an alarmist conversation. Go to the American Civil Liberties website where they are fighting this tooth and nail. Go to the American Friends Service Committee where they are fighting this legislation trying to get this legislation going that dismantles these uh, weapons, massive weapons of destruction. So we, I would ask you to ask the audience, as you said once again, to begin to investigate their police departments on a local level. But not only that, ask the question, write a letter to the President of the United States and the Attorney General of the United States, who are African-American people, ask them why would they sit in office while the country prepares to annihilate black people with these weapons? Absolutely. Why Absolutely. didn't they tell us? Why didn't somebody in power 
alert us to this situation? Well, because they don't want us to know. And, you know, one of the things is, and I'm glad you said, pulling our heads out of the sand. We don't want to know either. Absolutely. And, And until we speak the truth and we accept the truth, we can't change the truth. So I'm asking, there is, and later on in the, in the broadcast, I'm going to be giving out some information about how you can, uh, OBS is calling on, this, on, on people across the country uh, to do some things, and you can do some things uh, about signing a petition that's going to the Department of, Department of Justice to end racist and militaristic policing in our communities. Um, If you go to popularresistance.org, popularresistance.org, there is a petition going to the Department of Justice to end the racist and militaristic policing in communities across this country with a, with a national spotlight on uh, police practices. And now is the time to tell the Justice Department to do what it can to end these practices because the Justice Department does not link their new decision to undertake a broad review of police tactics to any specific incident. So we have to be vigilant very vigilant, and thank you, Ruby Sales of the Spirit House Project in Atlanta, who's Ferguson tonight, and the Spirit House has gone to assist in the organizing of resistance in that community. Now, Ruby, I I do want to move on to what you are hearing there. I've been calling you boots on the ground. Um, What are you hearing about... Uh, the organizing around demanding that there be an investigation of how this police department is operating, specifically around trying to connect the victim to a robbery, strong arm oh. robbery, which was actually a shove, uh, to um, in order to reduce its liability around what its officer did. What are you hearing? Well, obviously, what I'm hearing is that people are angry. They feel like the parents have lost a son. And in addition to that, they've got to deal with the criminalization and the dehumanization of that young man. And quite honestly, people don't believe the photographs. I must tell you, the other thing I haven't believed it. I posted it. I posted that very early because I. First of all, the the timestamp on the on Absolutely. the photo That's what on the video raising. is June ninth, two thousand and fourteen. Mike Brown was murdered on August ninth, two thousand and fourteen. The other is the 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 man shown in the video seems to be, and I can't be very confident about this, but he seems to be much bigger, broader, and much taller 
than Mike Brown. The second is that the man in the video had on these uh, shower shoes, athletic shower shoes, and Mike Brown lying in the street has on sneakers. I didn't, people have, I haven't, that's a good point. I haven't paid attention to that. That's another thing. People are absolutely outraged with how he laid in the street. For four hours. Uh, in a very dehumanized posture as if he were, if he, if he, if, as if he were waste. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. another part of the conversation. They also are calling for the resignation of the police chief. They're also calling for a full-scale investigation, not of Michael Brown. He's not a suspect in this case. The police is a suspect, the police mm-hmm. officer. So mm-hmm. they're asking mm-hmm. for that. They will not be tricked into believing because they think it's irrelevant. What does that yeah. have to do with an execution? Yeah. So they're well, not buying that. Now, what is it's a grassroots effort, I have to tell you that the black leadership, we must, we must really think deeply about leadership in the 21st century. That's another thing. There's a great disconnect between the people and the leadership. There's a great disconnect between the younger people and the older people because, quite frankly, older people have been so seasoned into this position of let God take care of it that young folks don't want to hear that because they want to have agency and be a part of taking care of it. And they don't want to just wait on the Lord. They want to do something about it. And so that mm-hmm. they and people, they don't want to hear about voting right now. They want mm-hmm. some justice to be done because mm-hmm. their lives are in danger. The other but, thing that they just go on. Let me ask you, I want to go back to this video because I think this is very important. Because very important. This is, one of the ta- this is one of the tactics that police uh, use uh, to vilify. This is a military tactic. They go into communities uh, in war, in Iraq, in, uh, on the Gaza, and convince all the neighbors how terrible and what a terrorist and blah, blah, blah. And so when they blow people up, uh, the neighbors are confused about who's the enemy and who's the friend. But one of the things I want to ask you about, and I want to say this to the audience and listen to me very carefully, if in fact that is not Mike Brown uh, in the video, if in fact that not, that incident, which it doesn't even matter, but since they right. brought it up, let me ask you a question. The The witness who and friend of Mike Brown that was with him, Mr. Johnson, has confessed to the shoplifting in that video. And I'm wondering if, in fact, that never happened with Mike Brown, if the police have coerced him into such a confession. And in my mind, that would be what they always do, and that is... Uh, threatening witnesses and manipulating witnesses, and I'm wondering if this young man might have some kind of charge that they're saying that they will bring down on him if he doesn't go along with them. That's one thing. The other is generally in these kinds of cases, um, the officer or a 
even a citizen, is detained, questioned, and charged at least within the first two or three days. Are people angry and organizing around those issues? Well, they haven't really asked it. What what came out is that no charges will be pressed against the young man who was with Michael Brown. Mm-hmm. People are not willing, because it's really conjecture, but people are not willing to come right out and say that he was coerced. But that certainly is a part of the undertone conversation. And that's, as you say, that's a part of the police pattern. Uh, what 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 people are trying to do is to hold together this coalition without fracturing it. So some things are not being put on the table. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but it's certainly something that we can begin to ask questions about. People can begin to ask to authenticate that uh, that those uh, visual. Uh, proof that they say that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do know is that black people don't, many black people don't believe it. That's what I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just do not believe the photographs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and some reporters have asked some very hard questions about the timing mm-hmm. and why and, it was and, not and their even transparency. The, even the location, because even though the where this was supposed to have happened and where Mike Brown was murdered, uh, that's a pretty long hike to go from one 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 point to the other. Um, so I'm not I'm 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 hoping that some of the organization and I'm hoping that if you are an attorney and you are in the Midwest in the St. Louis area that you will go in and volunteer some of your time to help uh, pull together the legal issues uh, relative to all of this because you're dealing with state and, and local ordinances. And that brings me, Ruby, to the point of that we have been ta- You know, we've been talking about the, mil- um, the military and police departments on the air for the last three weeks. Last week we were talking about white privilege and white supremacy and how that opera, those operate with people who are supposed to be protecting and serving. So I want to take you to this whole issue of black bodies counting because in all of the video that I have seen, the police officer never went to the body to determine whether Mike Brown was living or dead. And that says something to us. Well, I think what it says to us, even the act of two things I want to say. White men are executing these murders because... You know, we talk about black rage, but the people who are really in a rage are white men. And they are emptying the, I mean, the fact that you shoot someone nine times indicates that it's personal, it's up close personal, and it's in a rage. 
So we've got to begin to look at the connection between the loss of geographic power since this country is no longer predominantly white and and in a capitalist technocracy where only even a few white people matter, although they've been told that they matter. The truth of the matter is they're in a rage because they have been, the only thing they have to move on is a little bit of white privilege and lies about their superiority. But all the jobs are going overseas practically. The, the, the infrastructure has been gutted here. And black bodies, and so we live in a disposable age and an age mm-hmm. of cruelty. And in this mm-hmm. disposable technocracy, black people count the least of all people. And black bodies are considered disposable waste. And what what the powers to be say to white people is that black people are inherently criminal. We come from a criminal culture, and we pose a clear and present danger to the social order and to the security of white people. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's how white people get pulled into this because just like they said that black men pose a threat to white women, the security of white womanhood during the lynching era, they've just expanded that now to include all black people. So we're, we're dealing with this. And so they have permission given how people acquiesce to that notion of their security, the enemy without, which is always an issue in this country. We always have to have an enemy. And so they have permission to kill, a license to kill. Let's be very clear about that. And not only do they have a license to kill, but it's under the cover of the law. And so Under the cover of the law. Mm -hmm. Under the cover of the law. Mm-hmm. And that means that they're in coalition with the coroners, with the with the sheriff's department, with police, all over, and, and that they join together because the mandate is to maintain white supremacy by any means necessary in a two-thirds colored world. Absolutely. So, so black bodies are not only murdered in the street, they're also locked away in incredible unprecedented numbers in prison. So you have to ask the question in terms of black bodies, what is the connection between incarceration of African-American people and also the murder of African-American people in the street? What's going on here? Why is the body seen, black body seen as a threat, and why is it considered to be disposable? And not only black men, but I'm telling you, 93-year-old Pearlie Golden in Texas, Hearns, Texas, about a month and a half ago, was shot five times and murdered by a police who had only been on the police force for two years, and every year he had killed a black person. So this is what, so the black body is what it has always been in this country, from the Missouri Compromise property and and not fully human. So we're going to see more of this. Even as Michael Brown lay writhing in the dirt dying, you had the young man in Dayton, Ohio, who was in Walmart, picked up a mm-hmm. toy pistol and was gunned down by the police. You had mm-hmm. the young black man in Oklahoma who was dating a white girl. His, her father was a police. Her mother was a police. And, and the father murdered, shot this black boy to death. And yeah. so these things are continuing to happen. 
it's 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 an epidemic. It's an American problem, not a black problem. And so we have to begin to ask ourselves. You know, he, Billy Joe Johnson laid in the street for seven hours in the most undignified position when he was murdered in Lucille, Mississippi. And just like here, when they did not let the Browns touch or see their son as he lay in the street like garbage, that's what they did to Billy Joe Johnson. So the treatment of the black body is consistent. Right. And and I don't know how we get people to understand this without thinking that we're engaging in conspiracies, without doing the research to verify this, without understanding that that we are that it's one thing to to lynch people in an industrial society, but it's another thing to conduct a war on people when you have technological equipment like drones that can wipe people away with the blink of an eye. Absolutely. Ruby, let me ask you, I know that you and Dr. Reverend Susan K. Smith from the Spirit House are in Ferguson. What's your strategy for assisting in the organizing uh, of, of of the resistance in, in, in Ferguson while you're there? Trying to convince people that every campaign needs to be undergirded by popular education, that people have to understand the forces that are arrayed against them in order to develop strategy. Let me tell you what I mean. We should have ha- already had a strategy to counter, to have nullified the possibility of the police raising this question of the robbery because that's a consistent pattern, the, the, the lying and the criminalization, the cover-up. So mm-hmm. if we really understood what was happening, we would have planned strategies. If that is, before that happens, we should have created a discourse that would have permitted that not to happen. So what I've been trying to get people to understand that this is about chess. This is about studying the situation and making the best move and checkmating people. So what we're Mm -hmm. here to try to convince the churches and and to try to identify young people whom we can begin to involve in an educational program so that they can be the best organizers that they can be. We're not here to tell a generation how they should carry out their struggle because every generation has the right to define that trajectory. But what we are here to tell them is the territory that they're operating in, and then they have to choose the issues that they want to work on. The way on. they're going. Well, I want the way you two to be, to be very safe, and you're going to be joining us in two weeks here at Our Common Ground. And Oh, I'm we... sorry I talk so much tonight. No. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just the thing on fire. Is, if you were here, that, you would. I mean, you can't believe that. I'm so afraid tonight that we're not going to get through the night because of that yep. curfew. And yep. I think somebody might try to break through that curfew. I'm scared to death. Yeah. Earlier, we were with. We were right in the middle of the march as it was beginning with uh, Reverend Seku. Um and we want you to be safe. We want you, we know you have the power. We know that you have the spirit of all generations before us to give them guidance. And and, and I'm just so uh, filled that the Spirit House is there because they do need 
your guidance because I hear a whole bunch of stuff on the on the TV and on the radio that says that on both sides there is a great deal of confusion and a great Absolutely. deal of work that has to be done. So, Ruby, you be safe and... All right. Um, let me just commit, uh, just tell you the, the really important work that you're doing in really raising the consciousness of the people, whether we want to hear it or not. And this is, this is courageous work because people who break the silence and speak out in these troubling times uh, they are being very brave. So let me just thank you very, very much for for being on the front line of this struggle and spreading and sound, sounding the alarm in Zion. Well, thank you. It is definitely the um, a, a time of disquiet, and I'm hoping that we can find the power of our resistance. And with your kind of leadership and the leadership that you bring from spirit. A house project, I am sure that the people of Ferguson are going to be so better off as the nation takes their attention somewhere else, because you know we have a very short attention span. Right. right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ruby <laughs> Sales. Thank you so okay. much. Good night, everybody. Good night, and be safe. Ruby okay, Sales, bye. the founder and executive director of the Spirit House Project in Atlanta, Georgia, along with Dr. Susan K. Smith, who you know, who has been on this show as well, in Ferguson, Missouri, taking their expertise of organizing uh, to the people who are resisting in the face of just great evil. That's all I can say it is. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, 773, I see you there, and I'm coming right at you. The 18-year-old male victim had no weapon on him, and he had his hands up in the air, but was still shot by police multiple times. Greetings, world. We are Anonymous. On August 9th in Ferguson, Missouri the 17-year-old and unarmed Mike Brown was shot several times and killed by an officer of the Ferguson Police Department. His body was left to lie in a pool of blood in the sweltering heat for hours while 15 police departments militarized the area against protesters, sealed the roads leading to Ferguson in a vain attempt to prevent protesters from reaching the city. The police has clearly crossed a line in the sand. For this reason Anonymous will not be satisfied this time as we have in the past, with simply obtaining justice for this young man and his family. Anonymous demands that the congressional representatives and senators from Missouri introduce legislation entitled Mike Brown's Law, that will set strict national standards for police conduct and misbehavior in the USA. To the good people of Ferguson, take heart, and take your streets. You are not alone. We will support you in every way possible. Occupy every square inch of your city. Demand justice. Staying silent today could result in the death of your kid tomorrow. To the Ferguson Police Department and any other jurisdictions who are deployed to the protests, we are watching you very closely. If you abuse, harass, or harm in any way the protesters in Ferguson we will take every web-based asset of your departments and governments offline. That is not a threat, it is a promise. 
Attacking the protesters will result in the release of personal information on every single member of the Ferguson Police Department, as well as any other jurisdiction that participates in the abuse of this state's own law. We will seize all your databases and emails pools and dump them on the internet. This is your first and last warning. The time has come for more than simple justice for these atrocities. The time has come to draw a line in the sand. The time has come to bring those to justice. Who serve to protect us, not kill us, until justice prevails. Hack and protest will replace it. Operation Ferguson engaged. We are anonymous. We are legion. We do not forgive. We do not forget. Ferguson, expect us. I'm in denial And it don't take no x-ray To see right through my smile I know I'll be on the go And it ain't no drink out there That can numb my soul Oh no All we want to do is take the chains off All we want to do is break the chains off All we want to do is be there is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're 7th in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, 3rd in median household income, number 4 in labor force, and number 4 in exports. We lead the world in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. What we see before our eyes, the sky is green and the grass is blue. But one thing you can't deny, these people are sabotaging this economy. And these people are sabotaging this country. On TruthWorks Network, the best of political pushback. Go for it, Alpha. The Alpha Show. India Declare. Real, raw, and right now. Join India Declare. Real, raw, and right now. Fridays and Saturdays, 11 a.m. It's the I Declare Friday and Saturday brunch. If you want your news real and your talk raw and right now, it's Friday and Saturday. India Declare at the I Declare Brunch. Real, raw, and right now, India is live. Friday and Saturday morning, 11 a.m. The I Declare Show with India Declare. On Blog Talk Radio. India Declare. Real, raw, and right now.
And thank you for being with us. This is Our Common Ground. Homeland terrorism under law tonight at Our Common Ground. Our number is 347-838-9852. All we want to do is take the chains off. And if you have not gotten it, you can certainly get it on um, SoundCloud. J. J Cole, free. All we want to do is be free. We're going to go to our phones, and you can join us in this conversation, 347-838-9852. And before we go to the phones, I just want to say uh, we have talked to two of the most powerful organizers on the planet tonight. I mean, sometimes I'll just pick up the phone. I mean, uh, Wednesday night, I just had to pick up the phone and talk to some people and 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 say I, you have no idea how many phone calls I got you see what's going on down there last Sunday I was on the phone all day another black body lying in the street you know um if you want to soothe yourself use the black bards Read some Claude McKay. Claude McKay talked about black bodies lying in the sun in the 20s. 773, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. Well, good evening, Janice, and how are you? Alpha, good. I didn't get a chance to tell you what a great show you had last night. You have been, you have been, on, you, you have been on this for two weeks as well. Well, Janice, I'm angry, and I'm more frustrated than I am angry. And let me tell you why. The anger is obvious because of the escalating body count. But where the frustration comes from is our inability to come up with a a, a a rallying cry, a solution. And when I say that, I'll, let me say this. Out of all of the organizers and all of the black voices that I've heard and that I'm hearing on this issue and people talking about the awakening of, of the community, et cetera, et cetera, in Rialto, California, officers are required to wear body cameras. Now, body cameras, bulletproof vests, what's the difference? If every officer in this nation can be required to wear a bulletproof vest, they can be required to wear a body camera. And but I say even, that Alpha, pretty, let me stop you. Even with the, with the body video, uh, video cameras. Many of them, and, and even with the ones that's inside the cars, many of them are turning it off. And I think that okay. if an incident that. happens and the camera not on, I agree with you. If the incident happens, it, it's, that should be like erasing. That should come with big, heavy federal jail time and federal offenses. To turn a body camera off 
for a police officer to turn a body camera off or to go to work or be on in the field and that body camera is not working. There should be heavy penalties. And when I say heavy penalties, let me put it like this. There have been how many hundreds of black people killed this year alone? Let's start, I mean, as far back as Trayvon, there has been how many hundreds of black people shot dead, unarmed black men, women, and children shot dead by cops, runner cops, or vigilantes. This beckons, this begs for body cameras on police officers. Why? And here's the narrative that you give. Because the police are infiltrated by the Klan, and they are shooting black people down. It's their substitution for lynching. Mm -hmm. You cannot show me in any neighborhood where even white cops are shooting white people down like this. You can't show me in the neighborhood where black cops are shooting down unarmed white people. The only people that are getting a wink and a nod are white cops shooting down unarmed black people. And our so-called prominent people who speak to the press and who get to the press should be demanding body cameras for each Mm -hmm. and every one of the police officers in this nation. And if you don't want to, you know, you say they shut them off. There was an incident, and I can't remember the city. I did read the story, and I used the story in one of my shows where the dash cam in these police vehicles were turned off because Mm -hmm. they not only show the picture, but they record the sound. Even though the officer may not be in front of the vehicle, if the officer is within two or three blocks of the vehicle, the sound is recorded. They, there needs to be an oversight. All of this money that I understand that they're getting grants from the federal government, they're getting this and they're getting that from the Pentagon. Our troops in the field have cameras on their mm-hmm. helmets, some have mm-hmm. you know, this is not this is not like it's going to bankrupt these municipalities. If they can take this drug money and buy these uh, police supplies, et cetera, et cetera, and on down the line, there has to be this will be the third party entering, and each one of these body cameras must be, I would say deployed mm-hmm. in a way that is tamper-proof by the officer. Mm-hmm. You know, you one, of on the things, the street, one of the things, one of the things, Alpha, that Ruby uh, and I did not cover, but this increase in military-style equipment coincides with a significant rise in the number of police SWAT teams. Uh, which are increasingly being used for routine duties, such as conducting liquor inspections and serving warrants. 
and and but as the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan have drawn down, police departments have been receiving 30-ton mine-resistant trucks from the military, and it hasn't caught the attention of the public and caused some controversy. I know that it has caused some controversy in Augusta, Maine. Um, I know that uh, in a few towns in Massachusetts, town officials have been concerned about bringing this stuff in. And then when you talk to when you talk to some of these uh people in the Congress, uh you know, their response is, "Oh well, um the um the Justice Department grants, I mean the Homeland Security grants can't pay for the weapons. That there's a law against that. But the Justice Department grants do." And that includes rubber bullets and tear gas to use to disperse crowds over the last 10 years. Well, absolutely. They've gotten, look, they've gotten away with this. uh, Yeah, they've gotten away with it. And and, and it's like everything else, Janet. We're late to the flight. We're late to the party. Yep. I mean, does anybody out there think how ridiculous, you know, here it is, Alpha, how ridiculous the center of the protest is West Florizant Avenue. It's a rundown commercial strip that runs north and south in Ferguson. And, and and I've been and just looking at the, the, the video coverage from news reports, I saw a nail salon, a barbecue restaurant, and this quick trip convenience stores. Now, all of us that live in, in the city, we, we know about these um, quick trip, trip places where it's open very late um, and, and kids hang around. And and that's what and that's a place that the loot is targeted on Sunday night. So does anybody feel like it just it looks silly? It, it just looked like a, a a silly cartoonish kind of strat of um, law enforcement strategy and stance to have five tanks sitting in front of the quick the quick trip. The burnout quick trip. The burnout. I mean, really, the the, the burnout quick trip. But see, see, Janice, the the imagery in and of itself, we are still missing the the most the most important thing is to be able to document what each and every one of these policemen do. And here, here's a teachable moment about the politics of it all, Alpha. And I want people to hear me. Not one second of the time that President Barack Obama has spent on this issue has he spent any time talking about a dead boy or the presence of a military police in a small town. Okay. Not one second. Okay. Not one second. Okay. I mean, so I'm, here I'm again, we. What? He's not going to save us. 
he's not going to save us. If he's if he wouldn't speak up when he's being berated, when he's being delegitimized, when he is being attacked on a daily basis, he's not going to speak up about this. Absolutely. When he spoke up about the Massachusetts professor that they didn't kill, but they took the jail out of his own home, and they beat him down in the press with the help of the press. If he's too afraid to do that, you know, quit telling me what Obama said. Because Obama is saying <laughs> Obama is not going to, he is not going to save you. I know. He is not, he hey, is Alpha. not. Just a, uh, uh, uh. You know that and was you know, insane, Janet, right? <laughs> and you know, Janet, you I'm, know, I'm about they, to give you a, I'm about to give you a teachable moment. Um, I'm going to uh, – there are people who didn't hear our opening tonight, and there are a couple of issues in there that I do want to talk to people about, and our number is 347-838-9852. Um, and <coughs> we're looking for what people are going to do at their local – I mean, what questions are you going to ask at your local area? Hold on for for it, uh, Alpha, and then when we come back, we'll we'll talk about some of these issues. And we just got another call stating that uh, as the officer involved shootings at Canfield and Capra Creek, uh, I don't know who called it in. It was called into my desk. Okay, twenty one ninety. Be advised, uh, this information came from the news, so don't know. Yeah, any further? We're going to shoot, and in the same moment the first shot went off and we looked at him he, he was shot and it was blood coming from him and we took off running and as we took off running i ducked and hid for my life because i was feared for my life and i hid by the first car that i saw my friend he kept running and he told me to keep running because he feared for me too so as he was running the officer uh, was trying to get out of the car and once he got out the car he uh he pursued my friend, but his, his weapon was drawn. Now, he didn't see any weapon drawn at him or anything like that, us going for no weapon. His weapon was already drawn when he got out the car. He shot again, and once my friend felt that shot, he turned around and he put his hands in the earth, and he started to get down, but the officer still approached with his weapon drawn, and he fired several more shots, and my friend died. The presence of 20 million so-called Negroes who today are crying for citizenship, crying for civil rights, crying for recognition, crying for human rights, and crying for human dignity. And this cry of these 20 million black people who are here in America has been heard throughout the world and is causing great embarrassment to come upon America today because she is uh, uh, depicting herself or presenting herself as the land of the free. But I think ultimately when we look at this whole question of internal agenda, at the core of that will have to be what it will require for us to be healed and to be whole. And the first thing that I think is required is for us not to forget the travail of the ancestors.
economics that allowed a European uh, imperialism, colonialism, capitalism to emerge, and that it created a new nation-state system to manage uh, the, the economics of enslavement. And then you had to have a culture of the mind, uh, a culture of white supremacy that gave this system cement. Now put the Tea Party in that context. The British had fought the French for control of the slave system in the 1600s, in the 1700s, and the Dutch were part of that mix, and the Brandenburg Germans. And out of that emerges the American Revolution, but why? Because of the profits from the slave system. The Tea Act is a part of the acts that the British put in place to, to close up the gaps in their international slave trade system. With, with lacerating, we can't take it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you the truth. We can't take it. And so it's something that we have to learn in terms of how to talk to each other, how to be loving and to be patient with people. You know, um, folks got issues. Anybody here uh, undefeated? Okay, then ain't nobody here made it nowhere. I know I can't say I'm undefeated. So I, you know, I don't. I think we're pretty hard on each other, and we gotta we gotta learn to give some room because we're we're really fragile people. Okay, so you you need to take care of you, and at the same time you have to be forgiving and you have to be understand that our ancestors and everyone. I want you to imagine not not even Harriet. I want you to imagine the slave at year 150. Oh no, is that black people were never really so concerned about what white people thought as much as they were about how white people structured the world. So when you create institutions of slavery, when you create institutions of uh, marginalization, dehumanization, genocide, etc., that's what black people do. And this whole struggle for black people and for people of color, if you weren't the subject of genocide like the Native Americans, has been the denial of access to capital and credit, due process of law, and equal treatment of the, under the law. That's what our movement should be about. It should be about organizations. And I said, I've managed yet to... Identify with the oppressor. We have to understand. All oppressed people like to identify with the oppressor. Now, it sounds like a contradiction, and it is. But you have to understand, the nature of oppression makes one want to escape it by what? any means necessary. And if joining the forces of the oppressed, of the oppressor, helps you escape your oppression, you will do that. Tell me why Every time I step outside I see my niggas die oh, I'm letting you know That it ain't no gun they make that can kill my soul All we want to do is take the chains off. All we want to do is take the chains off. All we want to do is be free. All we want to do is be free. All we want to do is take the chains off. All we want to do is break the chains off. Some you're tuned in to our common ground. Thank you for being with us this evening as we look at homeland terrorism under the law. And we are on our common ground. Our number is 347-838-9852. I've got Alpha on the line with us. And Alpha, one of the things that I think that we need to focus on 
is asking the question about the strategy that's being used here to evaporate the evil that has gone on. And that includes the presence of a military-style police uh, challenge to protesters and resistance to the crime that has occurred here and the bringing in of an old strategy of allowing a black face to be the messenger. What's your take on that? Alpha? Alpha. Did I lose Alpha? No, you didn't lose Oh, okay. Dennis, what you have described is their textbook. See, yep. we don't have a playbook. We don't have a playbook. And let me let me qualify that by saying this. Did you see what Bill O'Reilly's on vacation? And the first thing he did was call me into his own show, I think it was, and he attacked the he attacked Al Sharpton and, and Reverend Jesse Jackson. What could he possibly know about any of this being a privileged white supremacist? And this is where we fall short. We have the truth on our side. And yet we are afraid to use it. People like Bill O'Reilly and the Rush Limbaugh's should only be referred to by their first name, racist. And as long as we power from that upfront identification of these people, when you hear people like all of these state senators and all of these congressmen, Republican congressmen, and they have this this, this level of propaganda and they attack anything negative, anything that comes out against them, the Ted Cruz's of the world, the Michelle Bachman's and the Sarah Palin's, when you hear the right-wing radio talk show hosts speak in, in that dog whistle racism, and yet we continue, and the voices that are supposed to be progressive continue not to identify them as the racist that they are. You know what that's like? That's like having people come back onto your show after they've lied to the public and nobody says anything. And we all know that this is going on and this has been going on. But we in our community, we do not have the people who have the courage to stand up and call the bigots and the racists bigots and racists. They won't interview the Farrakhan's. They won't interview the Dick Gregory's. They won't interview the people, the, the, the people who will stand up and call the racists a racist. This Tom Jackson, this police chief in Ferguson, he is a racist. For him to release this tape that has absolutely nothing to do with this shoot was nothing more than his attempted character assassination. And for there to be so many black people in front of a microphone who call this man a bigoted racist for what he did. Well, you know, it was really 
one of the places where my temper my temper rose uh today and night before last was that we had so many black people who were aligning themselves with white people to put down the protesters let's you know the, the, the you've got you've got this governor who's calling for a kumbaya moment when in fact he has brought in in fact he has not sent out the military police presence he just brought in some public relations officers to try to quell the protesters because now, we don't know the difference we don't know the you. difference as a people. We don't know the difference between being pacified and appeased and just played as damn fools. All of that goes into one big bucket. Reaching well, where we one better be real careful because we better re- be real careful because we had some black talking heads who were doing the same thing without of regard and respect for the tragedy that has befailed the people of this community um, out of the the justified and legitimate rage that they feel because I, I think that, and I don't know, you can call me at 347-838-9852, but you all get ready because I do not believe, I do not believe that charges by the state will be brought against this officer. I don't believe it. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. I think we're well, in for some heartache on this issue on Ferguson, uh, Missouri. I I I I I don't see the powers to be plucking out the people who have become obstruction obstructionist to justice in this issue. Well you don't you don't see charges coming because you know that the lead prosecutor is the mentor of the police chief and he is the only one that spoke out against the change of uh personnel and handling this situation against the governor. And he's the man who's supposed to be uh the one to bring charges against this officer. Uh, I don't have much confidence that he's going to do his job properly. He's not going to follow the letter of the law. My mm-hmm, problem mm-hmm. is that there is not enough voice. There, there are not enough black voices that are down there that are calling for his ouster and calling for the lead prosecutor's uh, ouster to recuse mm-hmm. himself because mm-hmm. of his biased uh, comments, his mm-hmm. bigoted approach. Mm-hmm. Now, if mm-hmm. you're scared, if you're scared, get a dog. But don't <laughs> don't 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 stand around and call yourself some type of leader if you won't call bigotry and racism what they are when you see them. Yeah, and yep. that's where we are, and that's what we get. Yep. Hey Alpha, I appreciate your call and I appreciate your comments. Uh, I, pre- I appreciate your your insight on this. Um, Don't be trying I to get think, rid of me. <laughs> I, 
I gave you a teachable moment about how you take a break. Uh, <laughs> and, and actually, I'm playing I'm playing some current promos too. Um, I've got to go to another caller. Thank you, Alpha. All right. Three one two. You're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. Hey, Genesis is House. How are you tonight? Hey, House. How are you doing? I was good until you just made that statement a couple minutes ago. I can't even wrap my mind around them not charging that officer because they're doing, even though they're doing so much to distract and mm-hmm. actually not just distract, but they're trying to get these folks and the whole community into a bigger jackpot um, mm-hmm. that's going to keep them uh from, you know, uh, are getting that far along in the investigation. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but, but can, you see, can you see that this incompetence, it's all a, uh, it's all a facade. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I can see it. They're, so they're, they're throwing confusion, incompetence. Mm-hmm. They're making a lot of mistakes so that they can backtrack on their own mistakes and say, oh, oh, we didn't mean that, but now it's all there. This is what we meant. Even with the the statement that Jackson, the police chief, made when he said uh, after he released the video and then released the name and the reporter asked him what is this, uh, did, did the officer know about the supposed robbery when he first encountered um, um, the victim? Mm-hmm. And he said no. Mm-hmm. But then yesterday, or to, yesterday, later in the day, he was like, "Well, he heard the call <laughs> and he saw the cigarillos, so he made the connection." Yeah, yeah. That that that. You see, and all of that in in my mind is intentional. Mm-hmm. Because if we were going to see a productive, positive in on all of this. None of that would have been happening. Well, my, my, I'm holding out the fact that they already talked to the officer, the Justice Department and whatever state and or local agency outside of the police have talked, mm-hmm. spoken to him uh, several times already. And mm-hmm. I didn't see the statement that they put out, the guy on CNN was holding it and they were referencing it all day. I just hadn't taken the time to look it up. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, I haven't mm-hmm. had a chance to read it. So there's something already in print. There's already statements been made by the mm-hmm, office. Mm-hmm. So but but let's, let's go to history, a house music. Mm-hmm. Let's go to history. You know, history is always my reference. Mm-hmm, Over the last 10 years, you, if you start with the three cases in New York, Sean Bell, Amadou, um, um, the 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 Haitian American man. I uh, I can't think of his name right now. If you go to Oscar Grant, if you go to Jordan Miles, if you go to even back to Green in Detroit. Remember, Green how many Detroit. of those outcomes have been sitting? on the throne of justice. 
I can only think of two out of those, and they barely scratched the surface of justice. The guy with Grant went to jail for, or sentenced to jail for a little time, and Diallo. And then, and, and then he was let out early. And then he was let out, right, scratched the uh-huh. surface of justice, and Diallo. I think he had a settlement. Um, okay. That's it. Okay, and then we think very recently the Renisha McBride case that we talked about a couple of weeks ago here. So if you look at history and if you look at what happened in the Watch Riots, if you look at what happened in the Chicago Riots, the New York Riots, if you look Mm -hmm. at any of those things, that any of the, 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 the deaths that were were, that happened in the context of those. Trayvon. There's been no justice. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know. Hey, you know, it's good to hear from you. Go- I want to take a. Uh, I want to take another call before we have to go out of here. But I okay. am saying that we have to be vigilant in our own communities. And you know, one of the things that uh, occurred to me, and I'll run this by you because you you're in Chicago. Um, one of the things that occurred to me that they haven't brought tanks into Chicago with all of the killings, and 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 and, and you and you you have to ask the question: Wow, that's kind of curious. Why is that? Because it's been black on black crime. Where it's been happening? Yeah, I was talking about that with Alpha last night. Yeah, yep. I heard you talking to him about it. So mm-hmm. um, I, I just I, I just think that. We're at the same point that we were. Yeah, like we're running in place. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. we are. But one of the things is we've got to start. The only answer to any of this is that we have got to start looking at what we are doing on a local level because they're going to block you if you start thinking about national movements. Yep. That's right. Somebody's got to stand up and and ask the question: Who makes the policy, and what's the policy in our police department? Yep, they're going to negate anything that goes outside your head. That's right. All local anyway. Okay, thanks. Thanks so much, and you have a good weekend. I don't think any of us are going to have a good weekend because this this is just. Um, even though we have been here before, and it has happened before. Mm-hmm. True, but I'll do my best. Thanks for taking the call, John. Okay, and thanks for your call. 610, you're on the air. I respect you. Oh, yes, hello. Hotel, uh, Brother Brock. Brother Brock from Philadelphia, PA. How you doing? Doing, uh, you know, good as I can under these um, strenuous uh, emotional terror that we're going through. Uh, thank you so very, very much for the guest that was on earlier, a lady uh, activist. She was dynamic. Dr. Uh, Ruby Outstanding. And I'm at work, so I'll make this fast, and I know it's towards the end of the show. I think you're on point about the outcome with, uh, of justice in this case, even though, you know, we're miles ahead of that. But I, I don't think we're going to get justice, nor do I think the FBI is going to uh, come out with a negative report with the police. As much, mm-hmm. uh, I, I've uh, never seen such a report coming from the FBI in these circumstances. Yeah, never um, seen it. They're supposed to be on site. They're supposed to be there in numbers. 
I was listening to uh, Joe Madison's show, but I totally disagree with him. He has all the faith in the world with the FBI. I have zero faith with them on this issue. So I see we're going to lose out on both uh, the, the, the criminal aspect report with the police as far as, you know, what the police is going to say will actually happen, uh, the, the, the black rose white justice once it does get to court, and then also uh, with the FBI. And then my last point is I was at the um, uh, Virginia Beach maybe 20 years ago when they brought in uh, the, uh, the, the tanks, the horses, uh, mm-hmm. they had the whole place on shut down because of the uh, fraternity uh, picnic, Greek, Greek, Greek Greek was down there, and the white people did not like the fact that Virginia Beach, which was a tourist section, now became the uh, hip-hop central. So they brought in the National Guard, the whole nine yards, just like this with the military uh, equipment. And that's what I said mm-hmm. to myself. Where did the police department get all this equipment? And that was 20 years mm-hmm. ago. And now they have even more. Yep. So once I read the book, just like we all talked about on your show, uh, uh, Melissa Alexander's book, she pointed out, as, as, long, as well as so many other activists, that these police departments all get federal funds based on how many arrests they make. So the more arrests they make, the more money these police departments get. And that's going to keep the incentive going and now add to that that they get all this military uh, leftover surplus. You know, like the lady host that you had on there said, we all have to wake up because we're, we're, we're sleeping at the wheel while these police departments mount up with with, with ungodly amount of force to, to kill us all. So I'm just thankful for this show. I'm glad I'm able to listen, even though I'm working and trying to not get in trouble, but I, I just, I'm hooked on long talk to the family, so I'm try, I just try to listen, and like I said, let me quickly call in and express my views. Well, thank you, Brother Brock, and your views are very wise, wisely crafted. So thank you so very much, and it's good to hear from you, and we know that you are always with us here at Our Common Ground. Um <clears throat> It, it, police officials have said that they felt that they had no choice but to use tear gas in Ferguson and rubber bullets, that they could not allow looting to happen again, and dispersing the crowd was the only way to, to stop it. My response to that is, give me a break. The nail salon and barbecue joint that was closed, the quick trip. Now, you all know probably what happened. A lot of kids probably had a lot of animosity uh, around some stuff, years and years of stuff. And I think that that is what the police department is also um, suffering from. For those of you who have joined us tonight, uh, I am so pleased that you have been with us. We want to ask you to help us build our audience. I think that what we do here is serious. Um, I don't try to be quaint, and I don't try to be um, – never have in the 29 years that, that I have been broadcasting. We don't have a cast of – a staff of 15. It's it's me and Loga Michelle Odom and I appreciate her her support as the uh, administrative producer of the show and and Alpha who's always available to us. Just you know, we're going to be trying to get some uh, 
uh, funding together to try to build this audience. That's all I want to do. I don't want to be on TV. I don't want to do be on any of that stuff. But talk radio, it is so is is such an opportunity for us to come together as a family, as a community, uh, to talk through some of these issues, to get our hurts and our wounds and to find the sacredness inside our experience and to be informed from our point of view, not the the White House who's going to give us the interview because I don't want it, Uh, not Eric Holder who can give us the interview, I don't want it. I think it is you. You listeners who are looking at what is going on here and you know intuitively and naturally how it affects us and our children. I spent an hour and a half with my oldest grandson the other night going through the videos uh, and the reports on YouTube and having him to understand what this all means. So I hope that you will share our posts, share our events. We're here every Saturday night at 10 p.m. because this is talk that matters. If we are ever to ensure and to minimize the notion in this country that black bodies have to matter, that black lives have value, that we have a place in the sun in this country. It is very important for you to help us build a place where we can come safely. And I want to thank Loga for her post on Facebook uh, today where she talked about a place for safety so that we don't have to make any apology about what we know. We know what we know. You know, as I say to, to, to my grandchildren and say to my colleagues, I've been black for 64 years. I know something. So help us to build this. And thank you and be safe and honor the ancestors as we look at all of this because this is where we are and we will have to climb out of this hole as well. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Thanks to Brother Brock and House Music Lover and Alpha for their calls. We'll be right back here next Saturday night with Reverend Sekou to talk about his experience in, um, in Ferguson. And... You'd be good. We rush into battle. We're soldiers. We get hurt in a fight. We suck it up and we hold it down and we don't question. I like it or not. So I'm not asking you for the truth. I know the truth. So what I'm asking you is, what is your end game? Defend! 
You've been listening to Our Common Ground. Thank you for tuning in tonight. I'm Janice Graham. If it's Saturday at 10 p.m., I'll be listening for you. Do us a favor and yourself as well. Tell your friends about this broadcast and join us on TruthWorks Network. You can find Our Common Ground on Facebook, on Tumblr, on Pinterest, and Twitter at Janice OCG. Thanks again, and don't forget, I'll be listening for you. This is Our Common Ground. We are Legion. We do not forgive. We do not forget.